Also, guys, I told a lie. I'm not fine. My watch broke. Oh. <laughs> Your watch? My watch strap broke. Ah, my watch. Well, my watch has broken before, but I fixed it. But the strap is now, it's, it's in tatters. It's in absolute tatters. Uh, so I'm thinking, do I replace the strap or do I buy a whole new watch? Hmm. That is, that's a very indulgent option. The, the most easily yes. replaceable part of my item is uh, broken. <laughs> like, let's buy a whole new one. Come on, guys. Let's go. It's an opportunity, you see. It's an opportunity. I expected better of you, Jeff. Better of you. <laughs> all about the way you phrase things. <laughs> Before all that, hi, welcome to Indulgently Minimal. I am Moggy, and I am joined by Jeff. Hello. And Murdoch. Hello, everyone. And in a roundabout way, today we're going to be discussing not buying, uh, replacing the whole watch, but rather how we reconcile what we used to want with what we actually need now. Because Jeff, I do believe that there is a watch that you did want and now would be a time you could buy it. Yes, yes. I, I think we've mentioned it before. There was the whole Garmin solar powered watch mm. that I was looking at years ago for my hiking and mm. it was it was really awesome. And, you know, at the time we decided, you know, it was it was great, but the price point was never good for me, and recently it came back round on sale, and it's like super cheap compared to what it used to be, and it's like, I don't want that anymore. Oh. <laughs> it's like, oh, Look, it's finally a price point that's nice and fun, but it's like, oh, wow, I actually, I don't want this anymore. Yeah. And it's, hmm. But at the same time, it's sort of like, you know, wrestling with that, ah, well, now I could, I could still buy it. It could still be really useful, and then trying to justify it to yourself. But at the same time, the voice in the back of your head saying, you don't need this anymore. You don't need it anymore, Jeff. <laughs> There's also, especially when it's something like this, when it's something you used to want and enough time has passed, it's always worth checking why it's so deeply discounted. Because I remember the conversation when this came up and we did discover there was a new version of the watch with a lot more <laughs> yeah. features. Yeah, like the new one actually tells the time, which is really useful. <laughs> hmm, something basic you expect on a watch. That wasn't a watch, Jeff. That was a compass. Uh, <laughs> that's the that is the great thing about my compass. You never really need a new one. You know that they, they kind of never go out of date. Mm. Just like well, pocket watches. <laughs> that's very true. Oh, okay. New new topic. Jeff wants to buy a pocket watch. So oh, no. pro I'm going to become proper dapper. Why, oh, no. Why is it everybody goes through a period of wanting a pocket watch? Like, I don't, like it Be seems so because universal. Because they're so cool. They're, they're not. There's, it's like a monocle. Come on. There's there's something <laughs> romanticized about it, I think, is yeah, the point. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And now I just feel embarrassed because I'm wearing my monocle and pocket watch. <laughs> Do you have a top hat to go with that? I'm just trying to class up this operation, but that's fine. You know? <laughs> well, somebody Jeff. has to do it. <laughs> At least one of us. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. I always bring the class to this podcast. I don't know about you too, but for me, it is always there. Now, <laughs> what really gets me about this stuff is how easy it is to fall into the trap of, especially with wish lists, right? Mm. There's... I don't know, for me, it's always so easy to come into it and go, oh, this thing that I put on my wish list three years ago is now at a really great price point. I've got the money. You buy it and then you don't need it. It doesn't serve any purpose or it's so out of date. It's not getting updates anymore or whatever. And you, you just kind of... Uh, you bought it simply because you wanted it a yeah. while ago 
and mm. it was on your wish list. And when the wish list, I, I, you know, thing pops up, it hits that wave of ah, good memories of times when I wanted this thing and things were great, and this would have been so useful, you know, three years ago. Mm. Mm. And I think I do think that a lot of companies play on. It's not just one feeling. There's many feelings you have that are like that. Like I used to want this, or I used to enjoy this, or childhood me would have loved this. And yeah. they're uh, constantly making not just products, but, you know, media, games, movies that tap into that. And they sort of draw you in with the, yes, yes, you would like this. You used to enjoy this. Come and, you know, experience that little piece of childhood that is lost to you. And you're not that person anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm looking at the notes here, and I think there's an excellent point that, again, Jeff, you had with one of the more recent Total War games, right? Yeah, well, relatively recent. I mean, I think there's been three Total Wars since that Total War, but yeah, <laughs> it's new to me. Re it's new to me. The <laughs> like when I was much younger, in my early teens, when I started playing Total War, loved it, loved everything about it, loved you know, loved the gameplay. And at the time, I was really into Three Kingdom, you know, history and all that sort of stuff. I was like, man, how awesome would it be to have a Total War game that's set in the Three Kingdoms, you know, of China history? And it's like, yeah, that'd be awesome. And then about ten, twelve. 15, God, I'm old. Years later, <laughs> when they finally release, when it's like, ah, I don't play these games anymore. Yeah. <sighs> mm. I've moved on to far more complicated and irritating strategy <laughs> games. <laughs> it is a little bit funny in terms of the games, like just, just as a side anecdote, at the moment, there seems to be a new wave of like old games from the past 10 years just being re-released and remastered. Yes, Nintendo just announced finally after so many years of people theorizing it was just about to hit. They finally released Metroid Prime on mm. the Switch, remastered for the Switch, and that's an interesting one because like there is this exact same little child in me going, "Yes, yes, let's get it. You've been waiting for this moment." And then there's the adult <laughs> me going, "You haven't finished Horizon yet. You haven't finished mm. Elden Ring yet." You know, <laughs> You haven't even barely started Death Stranding. Like, that's three games you're into. You want to buy another one? <laughs> and we're all very disappointed you barely got into Death Stranding. We're not mad. <laughs> we're just disappointed. Oh, blame the person it who got me Elden Ring for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, Death Stranding is more of an experience than it is a game. That that one needs its time, and you need to kind of go at it consistently. I don't that it's, have hmm. time. I'm an adult. Uh. I have responsibilities. That's what I have. You, I don't have time. I have responsibilities. <laughs> the universal problem. Oh. Oh, childhood me would be so disappointed in adult me right now. <laughs> but, I mean, this is kind of what I'm getting at. Like, as a child, like, you'd be there going like, oh, when I'm growing up, I'll have all the money and I'll be able to play all the video games I want. And then as an adult, you're like, okay, so maybe I can squeeze, like, 45 minutes of this game in before I have to walk the dogs and cook dinner and then put the kids to bed and then, you know, do the taxes. And then, you know, sometimes it's not even 45 minutes. Sometimes it's just, like, 15 minutes. This is the amount of attention I can spare. Yeah. 15. 15 <laughs> minutes later, it's like, oh, I'm tired. I need to put this down. Yeah. Uh, I think that's one of the effects that I wanted to talk about today, that... That kid is still inside you, you know, in a very... Um, in a holistic and wholesome way. Yeah, you know, like, we all carry our childhood inside of us, but you are not that person anymore. Hmm. And, you know, so you may have, like, the leftover, not just desires, but, like, leftover ideals, leftover 
it's like residual nostalgia waves that sort of they hit bounce every out once in a from while. childhood. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, it's how you end up with a giant Steam backlog that you're not gonna play because every time you see something that you want, you buy it, <laughs> but you don't play it. Yeah, right. you don't have to. You don't have to call me out, bloody hell. That's just, that's just mean. <laughs> Before we get into the Steam backlog, can we just talk about a portable purchase you have made? Because I think it, it fits into that same category. It's like, ah, yes, let me feed into this inner child. Which one was ah, that? Yes. The Vita. Oh, yes. <laughs> you can hear the sadness and disappointment in his voice. Oh, I happen to be complicit in that acquisition. I yes. remember that day. <laughs> I mean, this is probably a very foundational moment for me and the like ideologies of this podcast because my very first video gaming device was a Game Boy. That's how I was introduced mm. to gaming as a child. Mm -hmm. So I've always got this soft spot for portables and they promise so much, you know, especially consoles like the Vita back before the Nintendo Switch, you remember. And mm -hmm. it's like, you can have a console experience in your hand. And I'm like, yes, I will put it in my bag and I can play it when I'm on lunch and I can play it while I'm traveling and I'll be able to all that little downtime that I have. No, 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 I did none of that. <laughs> you know, that was like uh, the most disappointing device and the most waste of money I ever spent. Not because it was necessarily a bad console. I think it was badly supported, but that's a different conversation for a different time. Mm. But it mm -hmm. didn't, it fulfilled the desire I had, but it, I hadn't realized I was no longer that 12-year-old kid playing Pokemon in the backseat of my parents' car. Mm. Yeah, it was... Uh as we said on top, yeah, it was something that you used used to want. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe not the actual product itself, but the experience. Yeah. I think a part of it is the product itself. I actually do think a part of it is the product itself. I think it just wasn't supported well enough for there to be any like anything enticing or well worth your attention. I, I there think was that a couple is games, a chunk yeah. of it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like it's a few games, but it never lived up to the promise. No, you, know, um, you didn't really like watching movies on a tiny, tiny, tiny screen. <laughs> that wasn't uh, yes, that, that wasn't the Vita. That was the that was the original PlayStation Portable. I had Aeon Flux on that. Oh, oh yeah, that, of course that, that was were, a fantastic. Yeah, that was the voice. original PSP. Yeah, I, I, th I think I think that's the problem. I think the, that's the problem. The PSP, like you know, the PlayStation Portable was such a fantastic device for its time. Yeah. And I think the Vita didn't live up to that. No, which it makes me curious for the hype around the Steam Deck, to be honest, because I feel like it's it's hitting a lot of the same notes for people. I think mm. now that the Switch came along and sort of showed people this is how you do it, I think Nintendo mm. really nailed on what people wanted and they brought everything together in a way that worked. Valve is trying to do the same thing for PC gaming, and I'm very curious because I'm sat here going, no, I don't have enough money to justify buying this thing that I now know I am not going to use. Mm. But there's so many other people that are going through the same thought process as me. <laughs> back with the Vita, like, oh yes, I'll be able to work through my Steam backlog. I can play all those awesome indie games. I can keep playing Elden Ring while I'm at work. And I'm sat there going, will you? <laughs> <laughs> well, For the viewers at home who, are, who actually can't view me, I do have that kind of arm crossed, chin in hand, like, will you? <laughs> <laughs> well, out, out of the three of us, the, the one who did sort of like fall into that trap, willingly fall into that trap, that was me. I, I, I fell for the trap. <laughs> 
He went skipping happily into it. <laughs> no, Wallet in hand. <laughs> the, the considerations were, some of the considerations were the same. Some of the considerations were a little bit different. I too have a soft spot for portables. I understand that appeal to some people. And I 100% understand it not being appealing at all. You have people who will definitely say, give me a video game on a large, you know, television screen or on my PC computer where I can see everything in glorious high definition quality mm. without having to squint at a teeny tiny screen, mm. right? They, mm. they do not acknowledge the portable or the appeal of portable gaming. Mm. And that's perfectly understandable. That, that's why the Switch somewhat struck gold in that regards. It's like for those people, you can connect it to the TV. So the Steam Deck made a very strange argument for itself yeah. to me. Because I, for one, I think that's the first step. It appeals to me because of the portable nature of it. I, I like portable gaming. That's one. Two, I've had some positive experiences with the Nintendo Switch. I really enjoyed that console when it came out. I you know got through a list of smaller game titles it's it's not the games that require you know 40 hours 50 hours plus to get through like you know some major story arc plot line it's mm. the games that you can pick up and go for like you know five minute ten minute sessions and put down and be like yeah that was a bit of fun mm. unfortunately what i discovered with the switch as it aged was that the hardware wasn't capable enough yeah the switch wasn't powerful hardware when it came out like mm -hmm. it wasn't the latest and greatest. Intentionally, they wanted to hit a certain price point. Mm. So yeah, it how to say certain certain games run particularly well on the Switch and certain games struggle. And mm -hmm. as time goes on, that is getting worse. Now, what is interesting to me on both of the points you've just made is firstly that the Steam Deck is doing the same thing the Switch did. Like it is not a powerful PC. Uh no, it isn't. But there there was a key word there. Yeah. That's not a powerful PC. But it is a PC. It is a PC. Yeah. And that, that also went just a little bit into my considerations. But what was very interesting for me is watching not just other people, but people that I would say aren't gamers mm -hmm. in the traditional sense, but people who have picked up the Switch and gone, I like this. I like these games. I know people who play the Switch entirely handheld. Mm -hmm. And some people I've seen actually play it without even having the sound on, hmm. which to me is just unthinkable. How could you play a game without the sound? But for them, it's just, this is <laughs> how I like to play it. And hmm. there was a very... The most, like, <laughs> the most distressing thing was it was a rhythm game. God knows how they did <laughs> Oh my it. God, how? How? <laughs> that it's is like some sort of sage. <laughs> oh my God. I, 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 I remember needing to like pack in an extra pair of like, you know, the, the in-ear buds. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Generic in-ear buds. Just keep them with the Switch for the rhythm games that I would play from time to time. How <laughs> yeah. does one do that? You don't. <laughs> that oh, is the okay. answer. You don't. But <laughs> yeah, it's... I think the the Switch really did hit a certain point, and I think that's why the Steam Deck is hitting the same point, mm. in that there are people out there to whom the ability to plug this thing into a TV and play in glorious 4K, 120 hertz, all the rest of it, never comes into play. Mm -hmm. that's, that's pretty much it. To bring this all back, before we, um, you know, skip on merrily Gunk. down the uh, <laughs> discussing video games. What's past want do you feel that the Steam Deck is hitting for you? 
what was it you thought you wanted out of it? And do you think it's actually met, met up to that? My experience was with the Switch while playing some games was, hmm, I want to be able to play all my games like this. Hmm. That's a very strange, very early thought. I want to be able to play all my games like this. The problem with that thought is that it's a different platform. The developers have to actually port it and publish it. And by that point, you don't know if the port's going to be any good or if they're ever going to make that consideration in the first place. Mm -hmm. There is a, a Nintendo tax, so any games that do get ported over are more often a little bit more expensive than you would get them on like PC and other platforms. Mm -hmm. um, so like that, that wish wasn't really fulfilled so much. Some games made it over just fine. Some games really shouldn't have been ported over at all. Yeah. So for me, it's the, which also reminds me, which also reminds me, one of the things I did enjoy about the Switch and it did sort of help me re-enjoy playing video games because there was a bit of a lull at some point where I stopped enjoying playing video games. Mm -hmm. Definitely a conversation. But with the Switch, what I discovered is that that, that transitioning between, oh, okay, I'll just continue playing this game in bed for a few minutes, you know, before I go to sleep or if it's a weekend then I just want to lie in and play a couple of minutes and that that also works and then if i want to continue these adventures like yes i can later move over to the couch and continue it on the big screen that that switching as it were you know for lack of better terminology <laughs> it, it did help me get some enjoyment and some continuity in, in playing these video games with the steam deck it is number one not a primary like pc it is definitely a secondary pc you don't get a Steam Deck if that's your only gaming PC. You get a Steam Deck if you already have a pretty decent PC, and then you just want to sort of like, you know, side companion to go with that. It's a console. For the weekends. It's a console. The console part, okay, for all intensive arguments, let's call it a console, yes. It's a console that happens to play the same games you have on your PC. Yeah. <laughs> It's the most redundant thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it's it's a console that plays the same game. So ideally it's you buy the game once and now you can play it either on your glorious PC or you can play it on the go if you're on a trip on the weekend or if you're visiting family or if, you know, you just want to continue a little bit or if you have these like tiny mini games that take up five minutes of your time like before bed. It's not a perfect solution either. The device is quite big and it is quite heavy. Which is a problem for handheld devices, and it's definitely something I want to talk about very mm. soon, in fact. I do mm -hmm. really want to talk about <laughs> those elements oh, of yeah, handheld yeah. devices. But I think to wrap this up, what I'm getting from this is that the you feel like that the Switch was promising something that the hardware couldn't deliver, and you're mm. hoping that the Steam Deck will further deliver on not just that the hardware can actually support the games you want, but because they're already on PC, you don't have to wait for your games to be ported. You just have to hope that the the, the strange Linux voodoo that uh, yeah. Steam is doing does work. Mm -hmm. So I feel like this is kind of leading us into the the second thing I wanted to talk about today, which is beyond the nostalgia trap that we've kind of mm. already talked about, is the concept of, I think we could sum it up by the concept of wish lists, mm -hmm. is the idea that we can decide we want something, understand that we can't get it now, 
which is something we've talked about in previous episodes about applying the idea of indulgently minimal, i.e. don't just go out and buy it immediately. Let's sit down and think about this. Mm. Yeah, yeah. When you do come to the point of, okay, I have the money, I have the time, this device, are you still the same person that wanted it? Mm. That's, uh, I think, just to link the anecdote I just gave. I did not purchase this thing immediately. It was, you know, a six, seven month wait during which I was looking up people's experiences with this. I managed to see one in person for my own sort of like sake of experimentation. I ended up playing some of the games I would be playing on the device mm -hmm. and, and realizing that, oh, okay, yes, you know, playing these games in handheld form would have been nice. I mean, it sounds like, you know, where we have myself and myself and the watch and, mm. and the games and Moggy and his Vita are examples of getting something that you did want and realizing it you didn't. Whereas it seems here we've got an example of success, which is so nice. Finally, something good. <laughs> it, it, it is. You know. and, and, it's, and it's unique because like quite literally it came to the point where I had realized I had come to the grand conclusion that I don't need this. I, you know, so, ultimately <laughs> speaking, I don't need this. But you still wanted it. But I still wanted it, yes. So when you say grand conclusion, I just had an image of you stood on your sofa proclaiming it to <laughs> whoever is in the room. I um, declare purchase! Yeah. Maybe with a little crown, I don't know. Mm -mm, more or less, more or less. Murdoch, you can't just declare purchase. You need to put your credit card information into the portal. Oh, no. And, and confirm and, uh, you know, secret code if they send it to you. Two-factor authentication, all that fun jazz. It's like, yeah, it's a very evolved process for sure. No, it's interesting because, yeah, I think you're right. Like, while I kind of wanted to talk about the danger of wish lists, you know, this sort of like catalog of desires that periodically sends you emails. Hmm. You know, there is also the reminder, you're right, that sometimes you sit down and really contemplate something, you know, lucky enough to try out the device because someone else has got it and really sit there and go, yes, this still fills my desire. This mm. is still something I want. And yes, I will still get some use out of it. Mm -hmm. And and ultimately, like, I think the last two factors, the last two factors, the they made sense to me was that, number one, the price point seemed to make sense. It's not mm. a cheap device by any means, no. but if you look at no. all competing, you know, options, you're leaning into, like, you know, very good gaming laptop territory. It's like, hmm. <laughs> another, uh, another part of the conversation of heavy devices. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, that. How uh, is it? How is it? I describe your laptop, Jeff. It's not so much it's, possible it's, it's as not, it's movable. <laughs> it's, it's movable. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, God. Steam Deck does fall into that category of like, mm, this is a movable portable. What do you mean? That defeats the purpose. Also, keep your voices down. My laptop is here, and it might hurt, it might hear you and throw a hissy fit. It's very oh, sensitive. okay. <laughs> you only just coaxed it back into playing Elden Ring. Oh. <laughs> You're not big. Calm down. You're beautiful. But yeah, so as I mentioned, like the price point did sort of make it worth considering. Again, mm -hmm. not cheap, but definitely cheaper than other alternatives in the same form factor. Mm -hmm. That is one. And two, like we mentioned earlier, it is at the end of the day just a PC. So mm -hmm. it can be very easily repurposed. 
Oh, that's such a dangerous word in this <laughs> it in is. this little universe. It oh, but it could do this. It can do that. Yes, but does it? Uh oh. <laughs> well, that's that, that's <laughs> the point. It does. I've already tested this out. <laughs> it's like mm. it can function as a standalone sort of like mini PC. You want to run even if you just want something hooked up permanently to the TV as a browser. Like it'll do that. So tune in next week for Murdoch broke his Steam Deck, and we'll discuss that. <laughs> Uh, how? Mm. This is <laughs> Linux we are talking about. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to say this is, uh, I feel like this is one of those those moments when you come back and you find the tinker with his Steam Deck. It's like, I discovered this has Linux on it, so you can fit so many distros into this bad boy. What did you mm. do? <laughs> the last point I want to like very clearly clarify, this made sense for me. I've realized that this device does not make sense for a lot of people for a lot of reasons. Some of the games they want to run don't run on this device. Some of the games they want to play won't run at like in what they'd consider playable performance. Like it, it, it's not for everyone. Solutions like these aren't one size fits all. And that's a big point. Well, that's what I kind of wanted to sort of close today on is discussing that idea of not just it's not for everybody, but the idea that... With Steam particularly, like I think Steam is a very good example of how these wish lists can become a big trap. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think you just elucidated very clearly why that's the case, where it's both the backlog that so many of us have built up on Steam, as well as the ever-expanding wish lists we have on Steam, on Amazon, on wherever we're keeping track of this stuff. Hmm. Like I said, they're a siren call. They're just always there saying, why don't you buy this? Hey, this game's on sale. You you wanted that some time ago, didn't you? And <laughs> exactly. Like they're always just sort of like tempting you back. And while, you know, with the Steam Deck, you clearly put into practice a lot of the stuff we've been talking about, about like sitting down, pausing and contemplating the purchase. A lot of these wish lists capitalize on sales to remove the ability to do that. It's like, no, it's a sale, 24 hours, buy now. Mm. Limited stock. <laughs> I love limited stock on digital sales. Ah, Yeah, I don't know how they manage that. Oh, no, I know exactly <laughs> how they manage that. But anyway, mm. by you know, there's a lot of pressure that's pushed to remove your ability to think clearly. And mm. there's a saying, okay, and I have been desperately Googling to no avail. I have no idea where I read this. I, In my mind, it's some sort of ancient proverb from the East. When we don't know who said a, a quote, we'll just attribute it to Mark Twain. It's what everybody else does. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely don't think Mark Twain said it. <laughs> but I'm sure some enterprising listener could prove me wrong. That what it was, and I, I'm, I can't remember the exact saying, so I'm paraphrasing here, but it's when you want something, when you wish to gain something, you begin a journey, mm -hmm. a journey to go out and get it. But the person who ends that journey is very rarely the same person who began it. And I think mm. the original saying was more about like, you know, if you wish to learn how to do something, if you wish to gain status or wealth or whatever, you know, this will take maybe a lifetime's worth of work and you're going to gain skills and experience and age on this journey so that by the time you achieve what you set out to do, you are guaranteed to be a different person. And I really feel the same applies here. That when you put something on a wish list, which is something we've been recommending people to do, 
Like, hey, you want to buy that thing? Just write it down, come back to it. It's not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. But we're then setting you down that path where even in like six months time, you may no longer be the person who wanted that thing anymore. Mm. Very and true. it really sticks with me, does that idea that we are constantly growing, we are constantly changing as people, yet our desires can often be less something that is immediate, like, I'm hungry, I'm going to go make a sandwich, and more like, I remember wanting that toy, but I'm no longer five. You're not buying gifts to the child you used to be. That child is gone. There's only you. Hmm. Yeah, that's... That, 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 that's hmm. 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 <laughs> That's and, very, that's very, that's very, very true. And I think that's the trap we can fall into. Like, you know, why do you have a, a four foot stuffed teddy bear? It's like, because I used to want it and now, and I can't let go of the fact that I don't want it anymore. Yeah. I mean, that, that kind of pretty much sums up what we've been talking about this whole time. Yeah. That being mindful of you're not the person you used to be, mm -hmm. you know, neither good nor bad, it's just a neutral way. You know, you, you have changed and mm -hmm. maybe you know, who are you appeasing when you're buying this, this thing that you used to want, you know, who are you buying it for? Honestly. It's a very good question. And I think it's okay to not want things you really wanted before. I think a lot of people struggle with that. I struggle with that for sure. It's hard. Mm. It, it is. It is. It, it's hard to not want things anymore. Uh, or Sorry. It, it's hard to accept not wanting things anymore. That happens. That happens with time. That happens as your tastes change. That happens as you grow a little bit older, a little bit busier. And I think like it can be a little bit difficult coming to terms with the fact that these are things you no longer want. Yeah. It could feel like a betrayal of the person you used to be. Mm. You know, you went to, you know, you went through all those years of school and then college and you became, I'll use you as an example. You went through all those years of education to work with, you know, computer programming in an mm -hmm. oversimplification of what it is you do. <laughs> that was a long and difficult process. Like mm. you had to go through a lot of, you know, hard work and trials and tribulations to become the person you are today. Mm -hmm. And there is the young person who set you out on that journey and then not giving him his PlayStation 5 with all of the bells and whistles and the giant TV feels like a betrayal of why you wanted to be successful in the first place. Hmm. But at the same time, if the adult you just gets home and goes, I would like to read a book or watch six hours of The Bachelor, <laughs> that's okay too. <laughs> yes, it is. It really is. Of course, of course, I will always... I will always like to temper. Yeah. I would always like to temper this by saying sometimes you have to, you do have to remind yourself of that child because sometimes as an adult, you're tired, you're overworked, you're stressed, and you come home and all you have energy for is six hours of The Bachelor. And what will actually fulfill you as a person is buying that guitar and practicing your scales. It is buying that brand new video game and playing because that's what actually brings you joy. So I don't want this episode and these discussions to be used as an excuse to not engage with your hobbies and your desires because you're tired. Hmm. Honestly, good hobbies will give you energy anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It seems to me like the whole, it's being mindful and aware of yes. your inner child, I guess, is, is the term. Just mm -hmm. be, you know, be aware of it and occasionally let him out, let him wander around, let him knock over a cup. But 
it's a case of, yeah, just be, being aware of where you and your inner child are at the same point. You know, sometimes you've, where, where do your interests still converge mm -hmm. and then indulge there? Mm -hmm. I think one last point to make. In, in the realm of mindfulness, I think a lot of us are harsher to ourselves than we need to be. I think certainly, I mean, as the old thing of, you know, you'd never speak to somebody else the same way that you speak to yourself. Mm -mm, pretty much. So, it, like, it, it is good to be kind to yourself and sometimes it actually helps if you, sometimes you really need to be your own parent. <laughs> sometimes you really need to be your own parent and you really need to be just, you know, caring and nurturing to yourself, to your inner child. And, you know, it, it involves a good amount of moderation. So what you're saying is ice cream for breakfast and dinner. <laughs> no, Yay! Jim, no. Well, depends. Maybe if it's a weekend, there's nothing, you know, <laughs> nothing planned. But yeah. Well, normally I would ask you guys, like, what your final thoughts are, but I honestly couldn't think of anything I would like to tell the listeners more than be kind to yourself. So I would love to just leave it there for today. Mm. Thank you for listening and thank you for joining us. I hope you've been able to take something away today that was useful. We've been Indulgently Minimal. You can follow us on Twitter at Indulgently Minimal. We're also Indulgently Minimal on Instagram. Any thoughts, questions, comments, shoot us an email at indulgentlyminimal at gmail.com. I've been Moggy and I've been joined by Jeff. Yeah, thanks guys. Just remember to go easy on yourselves. And Murdoch. For this week especially, be kind to yourselves and remember folks, indulge just a little. Indeed. Thanks for joining. See you for the next one. Bye. See you later. Take care, everyone.